notes, running around like a champ, man. And we're going to be going live. Welcome to the Tragedy Academy, a show created to bridge societal divides in a judgment-free zone using candor and humor. We are here today with Ryan McCarthy. How you doing today, Ryan? Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you, man. Uh, the One Talk Podcast. Gary's here. What's going on, brother? How you guys doing? Doing well. Living the dream. Nice. Caroline is here as well. She's playing around with the cameras, getting the live up and running, saying hello to people. We've been talking to you for a while. I know Caroline was uh, corresponding with you quite a bit on Instagram as well. And I've been looking through a lot of your clips. And we seem to have some kind of uh, brotherhood here that uh, we've created from across the world. Definitely. Why don't you uh, tell us where you're from and what you're working on? Uh, So currently I live in Brisbane in Queensland, Australia. And my whole passion and mission in life is to help people reach their potential or to help them get to a stage where they want to get to in life, you know, whether that's mental health and mindset more so in those aspects. So over the last five years, I've worked in community aspects. I've run programs. I currently run and facilitate programs in schools in the community for the youth and trying to help them stay on a good path. And then also I have the One Talk podcast, which I've been doing since February 2021, so about two and a half years now. And the purpose of the podcast was just to be able to give the world free information, free resources, free value so they can adopt that into their own lifestyle and see if they can make a change just from the information that I provide from interviewing guests. So that's basically myself, what I'm doing now and one talk in a nutshell, but there is a long story behind the why behind all that. But yeah, that's why one talk has become where it's at. Well, I mean, that's why we're here. We brought you on to hear what made you cross that threshold and give back as your profession, because a lot of people don't cross that threshold. They stay on the other side, fulfilling somebody else's dreams. And then when you step across that line, you start fulfilling your own dream and seeing other people's come to fruition and its path. So I would love to hear how you made that leap and um, where you're at now, what you're trying to do. So. Yeah, so the reason why I made the leap is because I'm originally from Liverpool, England, and I moved to Australia when I was young. But when I moved to Australia, I didn't have any family really here, so there's no guidance for me. Then at the age mm. of 11, I got addicted to drugs. And then I was abusing drugs from the age of 11 till 18 when I eventually got sober. Jesus. But the path from 11 till 18 was just numbness because I think around the age of 11, that's when you start becoming very conscious of your own emotions to a certain sense. It's when you really start think a bit more deeper level than you mm. would before then. But I never got to that stage. It's when you start tasting your soup, Gary. Yeah, exactly. So then it's been it's been seasoned for that first seven or eight. And then suddenly you've got to dip the spoon in there and see what made you. Mm. And it isn't always gonna be, you know, a nice broccoli and cheddar from Panera. Nah, it's not always what you want usually. Hundred <laughs> percent. But then at the age of 18, it's when I decided to get sober from drugs. But that's when I first started feeling things like depression, anxiety, stress, because before then I was able to numb any feelings that came up. So from 18 to 20 was probably the biggest battle of my life, trying to find ways to cope with all these um, emotions and feelings of force that were coming up. Because before then, I didn't even know what depression was. I didn't even know what anxiety was. I just, all I knew was just abusing drugs really and just living that lifestyle. So then at the age of 20, I was able to start finding strategies to overcome the battles I was facing. And the main one was getting to the gym and exercising. That was my first savior because within the gym, I was able to find a mentor who was able to guard me and keep me on a path and also someone to keep me consistent as well. And then 
through that path, it made me really passionate to help people in the position I was in. I really wanted to help people who thought there was no purpose to life. I really wanted to help people that thought that mm. I might not see tomorrow. And I really want to help those people to show them that there is a tomorrow and there is hope and there is a purpose and just helping people get on that path and find out who they truly are, but also find out why they're here on this earth. And also, you know, just helping people live a life that they can reflect back on when they're old and be proud of themselves. So that's why I'm very passionate. That's why when people ask me, do you get tired from the work that you do? I always say no, because it fills my cup up so much. Um, but yeah, that's why I do it. And yep. That's why I love it. You know, I heard a, a saying before that was, I can't give back to you until my cup runs over. They say my cup runs over. Mm. Till my cup runs over, you don't get any. And the reason why I say that is because you're no good to anyone until you're complete yourself. When you found that ability to relieve so much stress and find harmony within yourself working out, I like to think of it like a wet towel. If I handed you a dish towel or a washcloth and I filled it with water or I rubbed it around in something dirty, um, I use this analogy with yoga too and stuff like that when I'm trying to explain it because people can't really wrap their heads around what is actually happening. It's not stretching. It's taking your body and metaphorically as if you were that towel wringing out all of that stress, all of those emotions, all of those things that are stagnant in your system. You get the opportunity to grab it, wring it out. And of course, it's going to go back out there and reabsorb shit. You better be used to that. But if you constantly wring out your towel, you can still go out and clean shit up and live life. And just like any other towel, periodically, you're going to have to go back and bleach the shit out of it. Then I have to sit back and take care of it. Your towel's no good. Your towel, your counter looks like shit. It's true. It makes sense because you got to fill up your own cup first. And that's why along the path of finding these... Um, ways to overcome challenges. I couldn't just rely on the gym. There has to be multiple aspects I can implement in day-to-day life because if I go to the gym, that's like an hour and a half out the day. What about the other 15 hours I'm awake? So that's why I became very interested in breath work and meditation. And those two practices are very much in my mm. life daily because breath work is something you can do anywhere, anytime. Same. And also meditation yeah. is just a way to help you detach emotions from thoughts and really just observe your thinking processes, your thinking patterns, and really think outside the box, like, all right, what am I doing at the moment? Is it serving me? Is it not serving me? And you're able mm. to really identify certain four patterns that come up as well. I, I agree with you 100%, actually. Gary and I talk about a meditation quite a bit. Um, he has methods with which he uh, really uses his stress. And they're not the traditional sense in which um, my, I myself, I do breath work as well. And I do a daily meditation where I start my day out that way. And that's honestly what put me on the edge of change. Once I had uh, taken that time to sit down for a while, much like you're explaining, it allows you to see the fallacies in reality in that most every single emotion that you feel is a choice. And it is tied to a past interaction that you're using to protect you in some way from it rehappening again. And you won't realize that. You'll just repetitively revisit these issues. And I've come to the conclusion that much like breath work, everything is cyclical. And I feel like we're actually presented with these opportunities to change ourselves over and over and over again. And if you find yourself knocking on the same door every single time, rather than back up and run away, you might want to look and see if you possibly have the key in your pocket. Because you likely do, and it's been there the whole time. You just don't want to go through the door. There's a big difference. 
hundred percent. It's like success, you know, like if you look at success, it's all defined individually between all of us. But a lot of people think success is an external thing that we have to chase. A lot of the time success is already within us. We just have to move the stuff out of the garage and find it within our own garage to identify where it is and then build on that and maybe <clears throat> polish it if it needs polishing or find ways to make it evolve. But we all kind of get too focused on the external and we need to realize that we need to focus more on the internal when we actually want to understand ourselves more. I definitely Leave agree with that. He had something on his Instagram that said uh, something about doubt killing more dreams than failure or some, something like that. And that's like uh, mm. something I talk about a lot. And we talk about that a lot on the show and in general, just like, you know, Jay will always say like, your mind is a liar. It's going to fucking lie to you. And like, it's designed you, to, you know, you think people around you will tell you, uh, he can't do that. He'll never be this like, cause they don't have faith in themselves or any dreams of their own. And people will tell you, oh, you're just from kid from so-and-so, or you're just a guy from over or a girl from there. Like you'll never do this, that, or the other thing. means nothing, you know? It's cliche, like you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take, or there's a million ways so to true. say the shit. But at the end of the day, like I want to be on my deathbed, like not regretting things that I did that I didn't do. You know, like hey, you know, I gave it a go and all the shit that I wanted to at least try. I lost a lot of those fights, but at least I got in them because you know, worst thing we talk about this a lot too is just like your life just goes by with that nine to five working for the weekend. You never. You know, mm. you're, you're uh, like, I, you're okay. You're content, but you're not really ever happy. And, you know, pleasantly like, blinded. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of thing that I don't, I don't want, you know, I'd rather fucking go out in a ball of flames than like slowly pitter out mm. the next 30 years, you know? So with, you, uh, with yourself, um, Gary. Also, I see so. you got a lot of Nipsey hustle stuff too. Yeah. Nipsey hustle. Uh, so you got a lot of Nipsey hustle stuff around that guy's. You know, he didn't get the credit when he was alive for what an actual like philosopher he was. And great. Um, I actually got to meet and have a meeting with him about a year before he passed. It was short, but the guy was, uh, he's not, he, when you're around certain types of people that have a presence that you can't like really describe, just like, mm. you know, larger than life. Yeah. Just the way people are around him and like, and not egotistically. Yeah. It's, it's, he was a guy that, was special and it, like I about a lot of conspiracy theories about his murder like being more than it was because the guy could have made some real change and started to and then all of a sudden they take him out you know old Dr. Like, Sebi stuff but yeah yeah. Mm. yeah there's a lot to it you know but he was uh, you know we talked a lot about just opportunity Often, yeah um, and just like you could find your own lane and be successful. Like he was talking about, people always told me like to, to be successful, I had to go to this white record label and do it their way and go and follow somebody up the path, like their own path. And no one ever said like, stay where you're at or do it your way. And like, there's a, you know, there's a road to success there. And he just, the guy was just wise beyond his years. And uh, he just, you know, I come from a different gang that he does that we should be, like arch rivals and i know a lot of people are like that with him and uh he's one of the people that gets a pass you know he would wear red and none of the crips would met and would care or he would be in an all-blood neighborhood in, in the middle of war and like they wouldn't bother him like he was just like you know he's one of his own guys that ended up taking him out and but he was one of those people that got so much respect that just 
he became a lighthouse. Yeah. yeah. I think big- he stayed unto himself so much that he became an example for others and it didn't matter what he was wearing. I was going to say authenticity breeds hate. Yeah. If you find that you're being yourself and you're making strides in your life, people will hate you for simply being what they won't muster up in themselves to do or up inside themselves. They, if they're not willing to do it themselves, it's easier to hate you. And someone like Nipsey Hussle, if he's authentic, if he's himself every day, he's going to create the hate. And he's also going to set an example for the people that see that he's being real. The true people who look up to him will look up to him for who he is. The other people will come up with reasons to hate him. Yeah, 100%. And like, if you just remember, if you know much of Nipsey Hussle's music, like if you remember his uh, music video for last time I checked with YG, it was like one side of the set was blue and the other side was red. They ended up mixing over and dapping each other up. Mm. He's showing that respect. But I think a lot of it comes down to like Nipsey was so sure of himself. He was so sure of his mission. So he just lose confidence and people just like instantly just trust them because he just poured that energy out of them. Like, cause he was just so sure of he believed himself. 100%. Then when you believe in yourself and you hold that energy, you possess that energy within you, a lot of people end Boom. up just instantly trust you. They respect you. They want to give you flowers. They want to work with you. And looking by Nipsey's work, you can tell that was very much to his authenticity. It's just how sure he was of himself. Yeah. I think he was the first one to like not technically charge for his albums. He said, I'll put it out and you give me what you think it's worth kind of thing for one of his albums. And I absolutely average, love that. Uh, yeah. People ended up giving him like $43 per album was what the average turned out to be. Mm. You know, people are like, don't do that. Like they're just going to download. He's like, you know, they're going to steal it anyway if they don't fucking respect me. So like, you know, it's, I don't forget which one, but I think when it all averaged out and he didn't put it out on a label, so he got every one of them damn dollars, not 0.5 cents or whatever you get for an album. Oh no, yeah. yeah. The royalties. Yeah. The splits, all that crap. I think it, that's changing a lot. Yeah. 100%. I think it was his, maybe his Crenshaw album or his Lawson Boy 2 album. I think it was the time when CDs were going out and streaming was coming a part of music. And Nipsey wanted to prove that he could still, you know, move CDs. So I think he put a price point at like $100 on the CDs because he knew the worth of them. And they still sold out because he knew that the yeah. worth behind it, the value behind it was worth it. And to be honest, like if you listen back to his albums, mm-hmm. I, especially his album Victory Lap, I look at that album like a book, like a personal development book about business, about mindset, about getting your mind straight, getting your business mm. straight. So like I love music, I love hip hop. So some albums I look at like the old personal development books, the old self-help books and Victory Lap is definitely my favorite album book. There's one that uh, always sticks out in my mind when someone talks about it's influential and it's of somewhere near that time frame. And it's when Lauren Hill of the Fugees came out with her live set with MTV. And when she did that entire unplugged set, her discussions about reality and how she viewed life were phenomenal, groundbreaking, eye-opening. She was on the precipice of so much and was so wrong during that entire set that it made me look at her completely different my entire life. I've always just went right back to her because of that exact reason. She marched to the beat of her own drum. Yeah. And they tried to silence her too. She like lost yeah. her record deal after all that stuff. And like they're saying she's crazy. And She's coming here soon, I think. I told yeah, her to get tickets. She's on a tour with the Fugees before that dude uh, goes to prison forever. Mm. Say who what? Who's going to prison forever? Uh, the third guy, Pross, not Wyclef or Lauren Hill. He's going to go to prison for some time. Is Wyclef touring with him? Yeah, I think it is. They're, he, it's <gasps> the, the Fujis are going to. 
Well, then I need to go get tickets quick. I'm going to see Dave Chappelle Sunday. Oh, awesome. Oh, I'd love for him to come to Australia. <laughs> and then, dude, I bet he would, man. He's such a cool dude. Yeah. Cause he's like, he's deaf. He's like, for me, he's my goat in terms of comedians. Like, I love comedy as well, but I, in my top five is, is Andrew yeah. Schultz. If you guys know Andrew Schultz, and he's coming to Australia next month, yep. I can't wait to go see him live because, yeah, like his podcast and comedy and just the way he's able to articulate a message as well. Like, he's very knowledgeable on a lot of topics as well. So, yeah, Andrew Schultz and Dave Chappelle, the way he's able to communicate and storytell is just next level. I love uh, Anthony Jeselnik. I'm going to see in uh, November as well. Dark Prince of Comedy. That dude is so stinking funny. So deadpan. And he can say the most heinous things that just get you every time. Um, and then, of course, the guys from the roast. Like, I, I miss, like, I like Jeff Ross and uh, and those guys. Um, who was it that uh, passed away? Um, Greg Giraldo. Oh, that guy passed that away? Was, that was Greg Giraldo. He was one of the best ever. Yeah. Like that dude was amazing. But another person that dealt with drugs and um, died very young. We've seen this so many times, especially in the comedian world, because there's a reason why they're burning so bright and so fast because the opposite side of them is going right along with it. There's not going to be an end game in those scenarios mm -hmm. because they're burning as hot as they can because the other side is burning as hot as it is. They have to counteract it. Yeah. You end up like, you know, Robin Williams or somebody like that. You burn the candle at both ends. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's trying to find it's... the balance of doing the work, but also doing the work within yourself as well. It goes back to that external, internal chat we're having before. Hey. Yeah. Mindfulness. Yeah. That is something that, I mean, you honestly can't gain from many locations except for meditation and self-awareness. I mean, I'd like to say that, you know, there's a certain amount of exercise that can replace it because of the fact that you are doing a meditation and maybe a breathing exercise involved in it, but there's still movement and movement requires effort and effort is not the reason for meditating. Yeah. It's the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. It's to give in to every single thing possible and watch it like a metronome. Yeah. It's a huge difference. That's what I do. I picture myself then, uh, sitting back you know, watching my thoughts like a movie. So pretend I'm at a cinema, my thoughts are on the big screen. And I just have to watch them and I don't attach any emotion to any of them. I don't tell any of them to leave. By doing that, I believe, because our primal thought process was to have negative intrusive thoughts come in to keep us alive from like saber-toothed tigers and all that. But now oh, we yeah. have these thoughts come I love up that. and we just have to observe them and let them go. Otherwise, if we keep putting stress on those certain thoughts, they're always going to come back to to keep us alive, but in today's day and age, we don't need them. So it's just find the way to accept them and become a piece of them and let them go. I like when they come alive because when you throw those quotes up, it's very smart to do that because the life that it's given can be the weirdest shit possible. Mm -hmm. The ways that things manifest themselves within you will not draw a direct line back to where it came from. You can be doing some weird shit in life that is directly tied to the, the most nonsensical thing when you were four and have no context for the two. But somehow you squeeze that in, and that's how it popped out on the other. So if you think you're going to break down what your issue is, do a root cause analysis, you know, like, oh, well, I was slapped this day, so now every day I'm this way. It's not that easy. It's a not. I talk about that when I talk about meditation. I like to describe it as a rope or a knot that has been a rope that's been tied so many times that it's in a ball. And when you first start meditating, what happens when you want to untie a knot? It's hard at first. You're sitting there pulling at it. You're pulling away. You're pulling away. 
But then there's that phenomenon. Once you get deeper into it and you've been doing it a little longer, what happens when not? Starts to loosen up, starts to come apart easier, easier, easier. And you get to see, oh, the rope came in this way. Oh, it came from that direction. Oh, it's wrapped around this three times. It's over this way. You get to see all that. But in order to get a look at the rope, you got to sit down and take the time to actually examine it. Yeah, it's a process as well. It's a journey within itself. Because when I first started meditation, Fun. Before, I was the type of person I was like, I'll never meditate. Like, I couldn't do that. But then, <laughs> then I started doing it and I'm like, holy crap, like, this is the best tool I've ever, like, you know, put practice into. But then, probably after maybe a month or two, you start realizing that you're able to drop in a lot quicker. And as further long time goes mm-hmm. on, you can actually drop into meditation so much quicker than you could to begin with. But you got to start somewhere, like, with everything. It really isn't a debilitating process it, it, we look at it so fearful i think because of the fact that we're afraid of ourselves and the silence we don't like to be alone with ourselves because then we have to take stock in what's going on we actually have to look at what these issues are and we think that we're going to be stuck with them if we're in meditation but the reality is is that we're actually moving them along We don't go through things as humans. We like to experience them and then carry them for life with weight. We don't just carry them as an experience. We carry them as a lead weight over our shoulder and then actually hold it with our own hand. That's how ignorant it is. And we go running across the countryside with 20 fucking lead balls over our shoulder thinking that we've gone through shit. That we're better now, but in all reality, we're barely moving two miles an hour and we're dragging a fucking sack of balls behind us. Tree and carry. Yeah, I'm all balls. Sack of balls. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you ever go to the, the shitter balls. without your cell phone lately? <laughs> like, and just be alone with your thoughts? Like, I end up reading, like, the back of the shampoo bottle or, like, the back of the air freshener <laughs> bottle or, like, that's funny you said anything that, that's to, like, like pre-cell phone there. bathroom. Yeah. It's, it's like, never sit there. Like, it's, I don't know, nothing's working and like he's got to sit there. It's like, it's not like I think bad things or negative things or depressing things. I just like, I don't know. It's like I always have to be doing something. I can't just like sit there. Yeah. I like now in those silent moments because of what you said earlier, you can drop in a lot quicker now. I can drop in in a public environment. Everybody's standing around me and I can take a step into meditation and watch the room live around me live a non-existent make-believe life in real time all around you, people talking, getting up and down or not thinking or thinking and in a different world while they're two feet away from you. You get to observe the world in a much different manner once you start to do it for a while. And it's a good way to take yourself emotionally out of a situation when you can. If there's people in that observer cord. Like that's different for me. If there's like some kind of stimulus, you know, like I could... But if it's just like me sitting in a room with nothing else, like, I don't know, I need something usually, or it's like drives me crazy. That's the ultimate question. Why? Why do you need something? Just, no, I I don't like silence. You know, like, that's the same question I'd ask myself. Why don't I like silence? Like, because I didn't want to sit in it. Anytime I sat alone in it, I needed to turn on some music. I needed to run around. I could not deal with silence. Yeah. I believe it took me probably about a year and a half of meditating daily to get, start to get comfortable with silence. 
they were so used to chaos mm -hmm. and chaos not just meaning like violence i mean chaos in the sense of something's going on 24 7 like life is like a tornado they took me about a year or just over a year of like practicing meditation daily to be like all right i can actually enjoy the sounds right now and now i look for pockets in between every day to find that sounds like you said when you're walking through the shopping center you can take a deep, big deep breath like five seconds and really detach from your environment and now when i'm at home i try and have moments like that where i just stand outside for 10 seconds take a big deep breath and just enjoy and embrace the moment and then get back into it because i feel like we have to embrace the moments in between when it comes to mindfulness mm. because a big misconception is that we have to do it every night every morning but yes that's great i do that too there's those moments in between, like you said before, mm. Gary, going to the toilet about your phone, like just becoming present in the moment for that or going outside and feeding the dogs and coming present in the moment for that instead of being caught up somewhere else. It's like just being where your feet are in these little pockets and moments in life. Mm. Being where your feet are is very important. We should put our feet in the grass and stand there for a moment because we're not paying attention to what's going on around us under any circumstances. When we're afraid to be with ourselves, we're not taking care of ourselves. We can't be mentally okay if we're afraid to be with us. And then at the same time, nobody wants to be with someone that's afraid of themselves. Mm. After a while, you know, we start to wonder why we're not having the relationships that we want. And the less that we, you know, care for ourselves, the less we care of, you know, our situation, the people are going to come near us. Why would they? Yeah. I think that's why I go back to that lighthouse scenario. Love yourself, stand up, be the best that you can be. And then the rest of it kind of wraps around you. It builds around you and it comes to you versus trying to run down some path that somebody else did first. Yeah, 100%. I heard Jay say before as well about, your mindfulness or meditation practices, Gary, like what does that look like for you? I punch shit a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I like, I, I like uh, a lot of it's making music, you know, yeah. when I, there you go. You know, when I, that's a great start, one. you know, I got all the equipment here and when I get into like making a beat and like getting it perfect, like in my mind, perfect, like I'm dialed into every, snare and every kick and like i'm only thinking like i'm not even thinking about the music so much it's like kind of like my mind goes blank in a way and i'm just kind of like i'm only focused on just the noise the taps and the booms and the snaps and i'm not i'm not thinking about that's meditation the show i gotta go do or who pissed me off earlier in the day or nope. you know i'm just the rhythm of that that beat and like and I, I mean, I'll look up and it's been five or six hours sometimes and like don't even realize that, you know, I didn't think about one other thing in that moment. Not like I'm hungry, not like I take a shit, like not that something's due tomorrow or, you know, it's kind of like oh. in the same way when I'm boxing too. Like if I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to like get a double jab, you know, right hook to the body, you know, like a four punch combo and try to get that perfect today. I'm just at, you know, I'll punch and punch and punch until my arms don't work anymore. And I was not thinking about one other thing. And it's not, you know, I used to like beat the shit out of it to get the aggression out, which I'll do occasionally. But this was just like, all right, I'm going to focus on like really snapping this jab and like getting it just perfect. And then just like, till I'm tired. And then just, I was just in the moment. I was interviewing a fighter like a few days ago and he's like really into a lot of this meditation and stuff. We'll have him on the show, but 
Um, he was talking about like, there's no more in the moment than in the cage or the ring or the octagon. He's like, you mm. can't be anywhere else. You're not thinking yeah. about your taxes or whatever, you know, when there's a 265 pound man trying to take a block off, like you're just in it, like living in the moment. It's true. That's why you got to love what you're doing. Yeah. You got to love what you're doing. If you're, I was telling Caroline earlier today, if you're a painter, if you care about what people think of your painting, you're probably looking over your shoulder and your painting's not going to be great. If you don't care what other people think in your painting because you love to paint, then it'll be beautiful and you won't give a shit what anybody said behind you. Yeah. Yeah. And don't compare as well. Like with your own work or your own it's not art. Comparing. You know, the famous saying is um, comparison is the theft of joy. So the more you compare your own work with other people, the more you steal your own internal happiness. Mm. Yeah. Still judgment. Thou shalt not, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's a pretty heavy tenet. When you judge something, you put weight on it. You also take away from something else. Mm. It's kind of like benchmarking a room. When you walk in and you say, oh, I feel fat today. You know you're not, or you know you are. But all you're doing is you're letting everybody in the room know that they're on either side of that mark. Mm. So if they're smaller or bigger than you, they're automatically worse off no matter what. Even if you didn't go in there with weight as your problem, it might have been the fact that you don't care like how your hair looks. But if you announce weight first, nobody's looking at hair. You're setting fucking tones for the room. Right? Those benchmarks will fuck people up. You can't compare things. The moment that you give somebody something to shoot for, they're going to have to knock something else down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's tough now, too, because like, you know, growing up, I had the people in my neighborhood and like three channels on TV to like really see what the fuck was going on. So everyone in my neighborhood was at this, we're in the same boat. You know, we weren't very rich, like same, you know, but now it's like you look at Instagram and all these other things and most of it's all fake anyway, but everyone seems to have more than you or, you know, be better looking or in better shape or have a better car or have more money or go on better vacations. Like, you know, if you start looking at those kind of things, like you're never going to be content. And like kids these days, like, that, you know, I didn't get a Nintendo till they were into like past it's Super Nintendo, nice. you know, or whatever. And I didn't know, like, whatever, like we didn't give a shit, you know, and my bike sucked, but whatever got me to, to my homie's house, you know, like didn't care. But now it's like every kid sees what all the rich kids have or what they don't have. And then you get people put you down on lying about it or like, you know. You had beef with someone at school. You could just go home when I was a kid. Now they nail you on social media and fucking, Fuck, you know, it's man. like, it's a, I think. Deep fake your ass. Do all sorts of stuff. Yeah, like, it's heinous now. It's crazy. Like what kids have to deal with now. Like we just fought each other. And usually like that would solve a lot of issues. You know, the older we got guns and violence got worse. But for the most part, it was just man. like, now they try to get you to like off yourself you know they won't just fight you they'll like try to torment you to fucking death you know it's like it's i've seen crazy that shit i work with the young people i work with like you can get people to bully you so they won't have to do the violence to you but they want to convince you to kill yourself and it's so sad to see because they're not just harassing you on facebook but then they're harassing you on snapchat instagram like text messages phone calls like there's so many different ways and young people bombing your work all sorts of shit work and young people like their life is attached to social media or attached to their phones now because they grew up with it so they find it very hard to disengage and disconnect from that world but then when they get into that world it's just absolute other chaos for them it's a slot machine of happiness pain sadness anger all those things on a wheel and you're just spinning it in front of your face and you have to have these 
micro emotions that you have to go up and down and ride this roller coaster of a slot machine and expect to stay sane. Human mind is not designed to do that. You're literally taking a hundred years worth of experiences and ramming it in 30 seconds in your eyes and riding the roller coaster up and down with them. Somebody's dying in this video, you're gonna know what it's like to feel like to die for a few minutes. Somebody's farting on their wife, that's gonna be funny as shit. You watch that too? You know, the next one, somebody's starving. That was me, yes. Um, it's gonna be, it's such a weird wheel of fucking emotions that how can you stay sane? And if you're an impressionable young mind, I think it goes back. Sorry, I didn't mean to like just tell all children just give up. It's over. Yeah, yeah. like the <laughs> trying to figure <laughs> no. out what's real and what's not. I mean, we just had to like yeah. figure out if wrestling was real when I was a kid. Like now, it's like nothing you see is real. Like in yeah. front of you, so nothing's real. That shit, you know. It goes back to like that talk we had earlier with about Nipsey Hustle. It's about being so sure of yourself that anything that happens around mm. you doesn't impact who you believe you are. That's rock solid and a very hard place for people to be and the shortest drop to get to. To be yourself is fucking easy. Yeah. You literally have to get up, breathe, and walk. Do your day. All the efforts that you put in, simply picking out clothes, most of the people in the world are not picking them out for themselves. They're picking them out for the adulations or the way that someone will look at them for what they have on. If you're starting your day out creating a character for other people to love, they're never going to know who the fuck you are. Because you don't. I didn't for so many years. Oh, I got a suit on. Well, he must know himself now because that means he has money or a good job. He's mature. No, I'm standing with a bunch of immature people pretending to be this particular person, just like the rest of them. We're all just fucking pretending. Once we figure that out, there's a reason why monks and tribes say, oh, they're insane. They're not saying that because we're running around fucking screaming. They're saying that because we fly to other countries and take naps. What was that word you used? Adulations? Yes. That's the word of the day. I got to Google shit like with him all the time. Is that how I did it back then when they said the word of the day? <laughs> They would scream. <laughs> what, what, what was that, Nan? You can't do that? Pee Wee Herman. Oh, yeah, Pee Wee Herman. Pee Wee Herman. But you can't do that on television was an amazing show. That Alanis Morissette came from that show. Yeah. Yeah, they were saying that one. It's not that great. It's like, <laughs> it's very old and not, it was a kid's sketch show on Nickelodeon back in the day when uh, they first started doing them. Uh, it was decent. Early 90s. Different. Yeah. Late 80s, early 90s, somewhere around there. Um, definitely wasn't singing Jagged Little Pill or about going down on somebody in a theater then. I can tell you that. Oh, is that. That's what she sings about now? That's what she did sing about. You've never heard Alanis Morissette's music? I mean, I have, but I don't like. Yeah. Does she go down on you in a theater? It's not something I like. I remember the, <laughs> the words to really. Yeah. She had a couple so, of let's, uh, let's lighten this for a moment. I feel like Australia is Florida's cousin. Um, you guys have a lot of the same situations here and animals and shit. Especially Queensland. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So 
what is what is something that we don't you we should know about Australia that we don't? Well, that's a, or Queensland or where you're from. Where's something that you could tell us that we should know but we don't know? Uh, we don't ride kangaroos to school or something that'll surprise us. What's that? You don't ride kangaroos to school? Yeah, yeah we don't. It's an after-school activity. Yeah, exactly. Not to school. It's just coming home from school. We do have a very small bucket of things that we associate with Australia, and it is kangaroos, koalas, and Foster's beer, I think. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and they don't like Foster's. Didgeridoo. So, like, where I... But we also think yeah. that all Asians are Chinese, too, in America. There's no no real diversity in people's minds here. Yeah, well... I'm not sure of like what the perception is overseas of Australia because I've lived here for so long now. But I say where I live because I live in Brisbane. So right next to me is the Gold Coast, if you've heard it, and also the Sunshine Coast. So within about a 30-meter mm. radius, you can be on the beach, then you'll be in the city, then you'll be in the rainforest, and then you'll be in the desert, all within like a 30 to 60-minute drive. So like everything's kind of jet-packed. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and 90% of Australians or 95% of Australians live on the coast of Australia which is unreal. Wow. So that's a lot of frontier. Yeah, in the middle yeah. is just nothing, right? Just it's desert. just like, fuck. It's everything will kill you. Yeah. yeah. I got some good friends <laughs> in Brisbane. I've been trying to get over there for a long time. Just hasn't worked out. Yeah, once you come down, I'll- They've, um, they've told me the same. Yeah, once you come down, I'll be able to show you around to some places as well because like I've lived oh, in we other should do places. A trip. We should do a show and- Yeah, come do a show on my shoe. Yeah, that'd be epic. I'd do it. Yeah. Absolutely. I'd love to go to Australia. Yeah, we could definitely do Absolutely. like, a, you know, the MMA show that we could do there would be epic because I could get a lot of good fighters from that area to come on for sure. Volkanovski. Mm, the islands around there too are probably full of them. Yeah, I've worked with uh, him a lot. Um, unfortunately, didn't go his way this week, but uh, he's a really good dude. Um, yeah. And I think Beck, Beck Rollins is a good friend of mine. She's from Brisbane and then a real good friend of mine. She's insane. Yeah, she's nuts, but she she seems more nuts than she really her, is. Just... Like she looks crazy and shit, but like it's kind of her look. But I mean, she is crazy, but um, pretty not in a bad way. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, no. I got a really good friend, Justin, that uh, he ran a bunch of MMA promotions in Australia for years. Um, he lives in Brisbane too. Um, yeah, there's loads yeah, of good fighters coming to Australia at the moment. Do you know Jack Jenkins as well? I know who he is, yeah. Yeah, so like him, Volk, Adesanya, even though he's more so in New Zealand. But yeah, Australia, it's really good to see them, like Australia having that culture of getting behind their own as well. Because I feel like in oh, the past, do. Australia yeah. didn't really mm. have that much like decades ago. But now there's a lot of superstars coming out of Australia, like even soccer with Sam Kerr and like in all different sports. It's really good to see. Yeah, Australia's young. Yeah. People forget that. Super young. Australia's young. Just like the U.S., we don't have a history. Our history is borrowed from our past in other areas, just like Australia. So I can see why that that is huge to see your people actually supporting your people in these moments. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they're about it. Like they, you you know, if an Australian's fighting, you definitely the the chants are you know, <laughs> you know they got the soccer chant thing going. Um, I know, like I worked with Robert Ricker a lot and. A lot of different Australian guys and their their fans. It's a long trip over here, but if a Australian guys the main event, it's more Australian fans than whoever they're fighting, no matter who it is. And yeah, you know, like I love twenty that. hours to get here or something like that. 
It's also like it blows my mind. I don't go 20 hours for nobody. How big Australia is, but how little people live here. It's like in the comparison, United Kingdom, which is like England, Wales, Scotland, and Ireland, all that combined together, you can fit 11 Mm -hmm. of those just in Queensland itself. And Queensland's just the east coast or southeast coast of Australia. So Australia's bigger than Europe as well. Like it's massive, but only 26 million people live here. Like it's unreal. There again, everything will kill you there. That's why they don't want to live there. I, I knew it was big, but damn, that's like. I've actually got a funny story for you. I think it's beautiful. I was at the beach. Yeah, please. I was at the beach last weekend with my friend, and just the main beach where I live on this near the Sunshine Coast. And some guys with a fishing rod, he's just fishing on the beach, like where the um, surf lifesaver flags are. Anyway, his line starts going crazy, and his rods bending, and I'm sitting there like five meters away from, him, like, oh, what's he got here? Anyway, he pulls in a four-foot bull shark, and bull sharks are the most aggressive sharks in Australia. So he pulls it, pulls out the water where everyone's swimming, takes a hook out of it, takes a photo of it, and just puts it straight back in the water where everyone's swimming. I was sitting there mind blown, like, what is happening right now? <laughs> so he, 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 That's like the realest man yeah, ever. He just let it go. Did he, like, clean a knife with his tongue? Yeah. Throw it to the ground and then, like, you know, Pick a hand roll a cigarette and then uh, tell you something about life. But the thing is, like everyone in the water, everyone in the water saw him put the shark back in the water, and no one even moved or freaked out. Jesus, I was just like, yeah, I didn't go back in the water after that. I was like, I'm going home. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be like, hey guy, could you wait a minute till I like get the fuck out of the water here? Literally. At least wait till I'm done peeing and I can walk back out of the ocean. Yeah, literally. Don't throw that in here yet. Yeah, sometimes that's the only reason I go in. I'll be at the beach until I got to pee and then I'll go like waist deep and then come back out. Oh, man. See, that's why I don't go in public yeah, pools. Yeah, I didn't say I did it in the pool. You just that's summed it all ocean. up right you know there. animal shit in the ocean? Doesn't I mean, matter. I also do that but in the pool. But they do the same thing in the I public pool. I do the same pool. thing in the pool, but I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> I think we all secretly do. <laughs> No, man, I can't go in it. That's why, like, you don't go to the swim-up bar at the all-inclusive place oh, under yeah, any circumstances because those dudes have been there for four hours. Yeah. It's just yeah, soup. You see people just By that chilling. point, you might as well just go lick the bottom of the Red Sox yeah. urinal. Oh, God, why the Red Sox? So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It just sounded extra yeah, gross. But you're right, man. I, I've, I've worked on TV shows at pools, and I've been to those resorts, and you'll see someone there on their 12th beer on that stool. It's never got out. And, you know, every man knows what it's like. <laughs> like you know, it's impossible to drink 12 beers and not have you. to pee. Like, it's yeah. two max, and you're just peeing that, you know, every 10 minutes for the rest of the day. <laughs> oh. I'm not going near you. I'm not going near that bar. I don't, you guys can all sit there in it and pretend like it's not happening. But I promise you, it's every single one of you smell like asparagus oh, yeah, right now. Dehydrated, yeah. fucking Mountain Dew looking asparagus pee. Yeah. <laughs> Just sitting there like four days into it. All they're doing is drinking away a hangover every day they're at yeah. that resort. Literally. So it's not a good day for them. Each day they're just trying to quell the throb. Yeah, you could like come drink different on vacation though. Like if, if I were to drink for six hours no, today. No, I don't drink. Like, so. I would be such dog shit tomorrow. But if I was in the Bahamas, I'd wake up fine and just go do it again. And like not even. I don't like it. Yeah, it's kind of like. I don't like you, it. Right? I can't do it anymore. Yeah. What's that? It's kind of like where you're at. Like on vacation, it feels like I can handle it more than if I'm just around my own town. Yeah, hundred percent. I don't know why. Maybe it's the excitement. It's amazing of being that somewhere. you can even feel. Yeah, the the fact that you can even feel better by a location should tell you that it's you. Yeah. Yeah. 
It all comes back. We to take self. things to different places all the time. I was, uh, yeah. I was in Bali years ago and, uh, we had to get up at like really late, I think, or early. I forget what it was to watch an NFL game. And I was with my Swedish friend, but he had lived here a long time. So we're, we're watching this game and then, uh, ended up drinking like for a good amount of time after. And the bartender's like, you should probably leave pretty soon. I'm like, yeah, it's like, why? They're like, Aussie rules football is coming on. And I'm like, oh, I've never watched that. And they're like, Bye. it's like, you should probably go back to your resort. And I was like, ah, I don't get it. And she's like, all right. Oy, and then you oy, start oy. hearing that, like, far. And you yeah. can hear it coming closer. And before you know it, like, you look out, and there's like 60 people coming down the middle of the road, to, like, headbutting each other it, and shit. Like, the most stereotypical thing you could probably think of. And it was like a big game for them. I don't know. If oh, that's beautiful. Exactly. It, like, they just take over this bar. And they, they weren't, like, yeah. trying to fuck with me or like they didn't start any fights they were just so rowdy man <laughs> like they're just yeah that's australians when they get you gotta drunk. think about it though the hooligans started in england and then you got all those soccer hooligans over in england that all went to australia when they got kicked out of there you can only imagine how much rowdy you can be as a fan of another sport that you're allowed to clobber each other in especially in bali's well bali's like australia's europe like the first destination they go to for a holiday yeah they're just full of aussies it was like, oh, like Aussies and a few British people I met there and a few Americans, but mostly Australian people were like the vacationers. Pacific Islanders too, man. There's a lot of Pacific Islanders in that area that play like football and or Australian, uh, Australian rules football too, dudes. right? Yeah, they play rugby. Those guys are huge. Yeah, yeah. Rugby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Screw that, dude. Those yeah. guys are massive. Yeah. That's I the thing with friends. Australia. There's so... There's so many sports that are massive. Like in Australia, there's not one sport that everyone watches. It's probably similar to America with football and baseball and basketball. Like we have a strip. It is. We yeah. have AFL, which is the Australian football. We have rugby. And then also UFC is a massive thing now. Also the soccer as well. Like there's so many different sports that everyone watches. It's like a big divide. Because rarely you get people that watch two different sports. Everyone's usually very. I thought rugby was Australian rules football. No, nah, so Australian rules. Did I? Did I? No, nah, so rugby is. NRL, so National Rugby League. But then we have Australian Football mm -hmm. League, which is like the egg-shaped ball where they run and bounce it and they just tackle each other the whole game. It looks pretty investing. That's not rugby? I thought it was just rugby, but nah. they were just throwing it too. It's their own sport that they made up. <laughs> so yeah, it's like... <laughs> AFL, it's called. It's, just <laughs> yeah. it's like half rugby, half American yeah, football. Yeah, it's just like... A kid it's... with like a derogatory name, and it's kind of like that as well. Yeah. So AFL is like rugby, but you can hit people and get away with it more. So it's a bit more... Well, if you will. <laughs> Australia is the kissing cousin of America. I get along really well with Australians. Really Nobody talks shit better than Australians either. Like, their shit talking oh, ability yeah. is second to none. Uh, well, that's all people do. Like, friends. Or, or, like, if you go to a pub in Australia and see a bunch of mates, all they're doing is just ripping shreds off each other, ripping yeah. into each other. Like, it's just the way they have bands up, never left. Isn't yeah. that what you're supposed you, to do? Yeah. Like, when Volkanovsky came on the show... You know, within two minutes, me and him were just ripping each other, making short jokes, and then his fucking <laughs> coach starts ripping on both of us for both being short, and then we started making fun of him because his haircut was fucked up, and like it was, it was just like we became instant friends, like within two seconds, just because we just immediately started talking shit to each other, like but <laughs> they, they let me have it. I'm pretty good. Like 
I grew up in an Italian yeah. barber shop and like in Cleveland, like we we talk shit like a hundred percent of the time. So I'm pretty I got a pretty good banter game, but these guys, man, they a couple of times I was just didn't know what to say and I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I love that though. I love I love when I get like uh, when somebody brings the you know the fire. When you can break somebody down and all laugh together, that's the best. Yeah, it is. That's the absolute best. That's like the military, too, when I was in the military. That's what you did. You just busted each other's balls. There's nothing else to do. Constant ball breaking, you know? It's like, it works, though. Like, you know, if you're cool with it and you got a thick skin, like, you know, it, it works to, like, make friends and, like, not worry about the bullshit, you know? It's like. Exactly. Guys get along pretty yeah. well, I think, for so the most true. part. Like, so if you could uh, choose one guest since you've started this whole endeavor, who would you choose to be the best example of what you're trying to accomplish? What episode would that be? This episode was a lot more in-depth because he's a very researched person, but his name's Dr. Mark Williams, and he was a, he's a cognitive neuroscientist in Australia. He worked over at MIT mm. in America for years and run their cognitive neuroscience department. And he was just a wealth of knowledge, you know, 25 mm. years doing research around cognitive function. So if someone wants to learn more about their own mind, their own brain, how to get their dopamine work and healthfully serotonin, like everything to do with the brain and brain health, I recommend listening to my episode with uh, Dr. Mark Williams. That's cool. I love that. I love that. We've had a couple of good doctors on that have talked about some amazing things. One of them was, because um, on the same wavelength as understanding the human mind and you know evolution things like that we had dr hogan shiro on and uh he was part of the team that uh, created the uh, series on netflix called chimp empire and amazing he's uh he's a primatologist and they were working uh with what's the place in uh in gogo in uh, africa it's one of the largest chimp things out there but when you were watching it the way he described it, like at first he was describing how all these chimps interact and, you know, the human uh, tendencies and the different, you know, societal or cultural things that they do within their troops and groups, because they really do have like all the emotions that we do. But when he was explaining how they lived, you know, like adults with children still playing, adult chimps, when they leave away from it, just walking to go somewhere, start doing cartwheels and rolling just because... They're enjoying life and things like that. So when he was breaking things down like that and then talking about genders, all sorts of stuff, it was so cool to see like the, you know, the wizard behind the curtain. It's like, what is actually making our brain do these things? And you get to see that it starts way back when. Yeah. Because Gary and I were talking about rain dances, right? For somewhere, for whatever reason, we came, the word brain dance came up and we were talking about it. And then the next day on Chimp Empire, they had chimps were doing rain dances. That struck me a little odd. Yeah. I was like, well, that's weird. I was like, they do rain dances. I know another creature on this planet that does rain dances. I know there's people that have been doing uh, precipitation, you know, types of dances since the dawn of time to try to facilitate changes in reality or you know, better outcomes for the future, whatever it is. But there they are right there doing their dance for the rain. 
I was like, that's pretty badass. I was like, also, it's a little bit of a tell. Yeah, 100%. That's <laughs> yeah. uh, 100%. They have like a, animals have a, like dogs and shit can tell when it's about to rain, you know, and stuff like that. Like, mm hmm. Have sense because yeah, like they're not thinking. Like, yeah. They're not thinking. They're not wasting their mind on things that don't exist. They're not thinking about yesterday. They're not thinking about tomorrow. They're thinking about thinking. They're thinking about the smells in the room. They're thinking about the sounds going on around. They're so far ahead of their non-thinking that they know when things are going to happen in advance. They have feelings, intuitions. They did a study on dogs where their owners would leave them at home and that an undisclosed time would make the decision to return home. And at that point, they would look at what the dogs were doing. The dogs would start to change their emotions. They'd start moving. They'd start facing the doors. They'd start doing all these things based off the simple fact that their owner had made the cognitive decision at that moment to return home. It's interesting. The thing is, too, like they're not overstimulated either. So they're actually able to tune into their senses yes. and be present. So I feel like us as humans, especially in 2023, yeah, was super overstimulated. You're 100% right. They're not looking at Facebook. Yeah, scrolling TikTok. <laughs> if they do, if dogs knew how much the neighborhood groups talked about their poop, they would fucking think oh, they yeah. were famous. That's a hot topic. You see that poop DNA shit that they have now? <laughs> it's everybody's bitch. Yeah, it's like you could, oh, you could like, <laughs> someone's dog shitting in your yard, you could collect the shit. Like where Sale lives. Like, I think you, if you have a dog, you have to like give a sample of your dog's poop. And then if it's like caught, if they find shit somewhere, they like get it analyzed and they can post me for it. That's unreal. It's a real thing. <laughs> you might just saw him going around like sampling dog poop. Yeah, that's that's, stuff, that's their that's job funny. Is to, yeah. like fucking scoop the poop and like have it analyzed. Oh, well. It's like a real thing. I was going to say there could be worse jobs, so, yeah. but that sounds hey, pretty shitty. But I'm that's, that's, that's a, it's like, I don't even know. Like, why is there a need for that? Like, just kick, pick up your dog's shit. Dog poo it's epidemic. Like, mm. People don't like I'm to talk about, about the fact that they're going to die one day. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we do all this. We don't want to have the conversation about why we're here. So we pick up dog shit and do DNA tests and make fucking Whoppers or salads smell like Whoppers and fucking other weird shit like that. Like, we're just stupid animals running around with our, like, chickens with our heads cut off. There's no reason to do 99% of the shit that we do. Just fill in space. We are, dude. We're just filling space. Avoid. Yeah. It's just avoid. You don't want to talk about it? Don't want to talk about it. Okay. So we'll just make up something new. What's the Dog newest job tester. we can create? Like we create things to create things. I was thinking about this the other day. CVS, right? The the local pharmacy here in, in America has like this whole fucking giant loyalty reward program thing where they'll give you like 20 keychain tags and a receipt the size of the fucking declaration of independence, all sorts of shit. They give you all this stuff. So you can get points to knock the price off of something at some point in time while you're there. 
why don't we just drop the price of everything? There's like whole departments for this shit. There's cars and people are livelihoods. There's careers There's fucking departments. All this stuff is being created for what they could have done was just drop yeah, everything 10 like, cents they, and call trying it trying to get day. people to go there. Like, I've caught myself doing like, it before. It's so like, weird. I'm an Amex, like, on the Platinum card, there's like levels, you know, and it's like you get to the next one, you get so much more off this or like whatever the case may be. And I've like bought shit before to like put my points over. Yeah, but not Skittles and yeah, a fucking like, birthday card for your Nana. Like you're not trying no, but to finagle. It's, it's dumb, but like I'm like, oh, but like, but a lot of it's like I want to get <laughs> the travel perks, like upgrades and stuff. But, but it's like that, I only yeah, that, use that get. my yeah. hammocks, and I like try to fly Delta as much as possible because they have the best like rewards program, like in my opinion. So they got me like spending a hundred dollars more to fly Delta instead of American. To maybe get six dollars of something in two years off of that decision, you know, and I know they're doing it to me, um, but I think it's the same thing. Like CVS is like giving you better rewards, and there's one right next to every Walgreens, <clears throat> and they're all in the same neighborhood everywhere in America. It's like maybe become a CVS guy instead of a Walgreens guy. Huh? Maybe that's how it works. Yeah, I think honestly, you just like the Delta wings they give you when you come on the plane, and you've got a yeah, whole that, fucking and like them and you've been collecting them. Like, I like to go into a clean bathroom at an airport or take a shower if I want to yeah. for no reason. Um, because airport public bathrooms, I'll, I do it all the time. Just Have you taken a shower at the airport? Oh, so I you're do, one of those people that I try to uses use the amenities. amenity they give me there, like, <laughs> like squeeze the no, shampoo the even if you didn't use it, like. I'll do that, especially if I'm flying internationally. I look for the closest amenities. Oh, to use, yeah. But domestic, well, Australia, we don't really fly too far, so it's usually just hop on for an hour, yeah. hop off. If you're going to come across the pond and you could get one of them beds or something, that's a game oh, yeah, changer. Fuck that. Like, is it like six hours from east to west for America? Yeah, about five and change. A flight? <laughs> Four or five, yeah. yeah. Yeah, something like that. It's um, it's just enough to annoy you, time change wise. For people that are those sleeping types, because we've got you know, is it a big difference the time? You don't sleep, dude. Oh yeah, three hours, four hours, depending on the time of year. No, Uh, California to the yeah, isn't it? California and and Florida can go four hour difference. I thought, oh maybe I'm wrong. It's the same. Yeah, east to west side of Australia, I believe, is about three hours difference. Yeah. It just like if you're dealing, if you're working Looks with people on same. either coast, yeah. that's when it's a bitch. Like when I'm working with ESPN and they're in New York, I'm in West Coast time. So they start, you know, blowing you up at 6 a.m. your time, 9 a.m. their time. And then you're trying to get shit done at 6 here, yeah. but it's already 9 p.m. there. So they've stopped answering. So it's kind of like those three hours on either side, like really add like six hours to your day or like some frustration of having to get up earlier, like or staying late to like get something done. So it's yeah, it's a lot of international work Nancy like Morris. that constantly with like India and Japan and dude, I'd forever be opposite schedule trying to get shit done. Um, sleep hygiene is important too. Yeah. You're gonna talk about mental health. Sleep hygiene is one of the the pillars to like clean getting sheets? yourself on a, the straight and narrow mentally. Yeah, <laughs> that that helps too. <laughs> it probably contributes too. The amount of uh, sleep that you get, but no, I have I have toddler times. Like my my doctor has given me no, you need to be in bed by this time. That's it. 
Otherwise, I start falling apart. So important. That's why I always try and aim for seven to eight hours. If I get at least seven hours of sleep, I feel great. Yep. But anything before seven, I feel horrible. Anything after eight, I feel like I've overslept. Like seven to eight is like the perfect sweet spot. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I'm not going to hold you too long into your day. We're getting later into ours. So we'll be going to bed and you'll be taking on the day. Um, Ryan, why don't you take a moment, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find the show, where they can get your cool gear. So the best place to go would just be Instagram because then I have a link tree, which will get you everywhere else for the podcast. So just go on Instagram. There's at one talk, O-N-E-T-A-L-K and then underscore. Then from there on, just feel free to reach out, start a conversation or feel free to check out the podcast, but best to start at the Instagram page. I like that. It's a good, uh, it's a good place to catch all of your clips and see what each guest is all about. It's um, a good idea to start there. I appreciate you, Ryan. Um, Gary, you got anything uh, you want to close up? Not with? really. I think I would just say like people don't a lot of times watch TV or listen to podcasts or stuff from like other countries. And I would like to get more international fans coming this way. And I would encourage people that are listening to check out nah, not only mm. Ryan's start there, but like to look, because especially Americans, we don't travel much. We don't really look. We have so much here. We don't look for other things from other countries, mm -hmm. but there's so many different perspectives and cool shit out there that like, you know, you could start with his podcast because it's great and then just explore a little more. Even if you can't get up and physically go somewhere, like check out other country stuff on the internet or read their books or check out their music because we get stuck here in the States and whether it's economical or we think we're better than everybody or whatever the case may be why people don't look outside of you know our country they should definitely do it because every time i meet somebody from a different country like they always have something cool i never heard of before or a different perspective or you'll find out that they have the exact same perspective as you do uh which will yeah, except for veg mm, vegemite but, <laughs> yeah yeah just you know expand <laughs> your circumference if they can't do it physically you know there's a window in front of you to the world at all times or in your hand use it for that sometimes Absolutely. Absolutely. I dig that. Caroline, you got some stuff we're supposed to wrap up with? Are you ready? Um, yeah, do you just want me to tell Yeah, you can just tell them what we're supposed to be doing. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do the adult stuff. So Jay is always rocking the freshest teas, and that is from Into the AM. Uh, you guys can find that link on our Instagram page. So go ahead, click the Into the AM link, see what cool tees and other uh, just graphic things that they have and uh, grab one. That'll, of course, help the Tragedy Academy podcast. Uh, give us some funding and let us get more cool content out there for you guys. So if you want more, give a little bit, go get yourself a cool tee and we'll keep delivering. So, and of course, thank you, Ryan. Thank you so much. It was kind of like, a pain in the butt scheduling from uh, Florida to Australia, but you pulled through and I couldn't be more grateful. Okay. And I know Jay and Gary feel the same way. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And thank you, Caroline. Yeah, She's right. a champ, man. She really uh, digs in and, and goes out there and finds guests that normally we wouldn't get from other places. So, and they're always off the beaten path, which I prefer. I appreciate all of your time as well for um, having me on this platform, but also everyone taking the time out of the day to build this connection and have this awesome conversation. So cheers having me on. Appreciate you all. Likewise, brother. I genuinely appreciate you. Remember, everybody, be cool and keep learning. All right. and go ahead and hit it.
and then record all those. All right.